the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about the film 1917, which is getting all kinds of awards buzz. Uh, it's a film that kind of deals with some World War One related story content. And that normally isn't the kind of thing that we normally talk about in terms of some of the films that we cover on our show. But this one, Carrie, I think really does fit in what we do. It is the best movie that I only saw half of. I heard all of it, but I only saw half of it. <laughs> gotcha. Well, what what happened the other half of the time? I could not look at the screen. It made me motion sick. <laughs> oh wow! 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 Yeah, yeah. I um, the and I will say this: the motion is it. It's not handheld camera. It's not like Saving Private Ryan. It's not like. Um, Cloverfield. The motion is very smooth, very well done. However, the camera is constantly moving. And because of that, by the time they got to the abandoned bunker, which is like the first third of the movie, I was already sick to my stomach. I was so upset. So I had to look away for a lot of it and then kind of look up when I could kind of when I could tell that they're not moving and oh man wow yeah and it it affected me the rest of the day oh that's frustrating it was it sucks man I never used to get sick on stuff and yeah I get motion sickness so easily now it's it's oh I can't even go on roller coasters anymore oh man <laughs> I used to ride them like repeatedly not even getting <laughs> off and I can't do it anymore. It, oh, getting old sucks. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the parts that you saw, and I'll try to fill in the gaps <laughs> with things you didn't see. Yeah. But I think one of the reasons why I wanted to talk so much about this movie is that it, it, it is, in a way, very unique from a lot of its other kind of counterpart war films. And I think it deserved to be talk about, talked about because... It does have a lot of mythic elements in it. It is very much a hero's journey that we're seeing unfold on screen. So in those ways, it felt like this kind of hero epic recontextualized within the kind of hellscape of World War One. Yeah. And I honestly believe that this movie is an absolute masterpiece. I am blown away by it and you talked yeah. about the camera and stuff like that um we're going to talk about the cinematography because yeah you know probably one of the greatest cinematographers of all time is the man responsible for this movie uh the great roger deakins so i mean he is as much a part of the creative process of this film as anybody else and i was just blown away by this movie yeah i was too um i mean even though i only got to see uh well maybe about three-fourths of it i would say i saw a little bit more than half um yeah amazing an amazing feat in movies and i think i don't know maybe you can agree with me on this one um as of late sometimes it, it seems like you know when you're looking at best picture field it's like well okay maybe i don't know this one 
Yeah, it's it's a standout. It's I think it's one of the best films all around um for a while that we've had. I I cannot recall a movie that's just been so um spectacular on all fronts. Yeah. Like this and for quite a while. And I think when people hear like best picture when they hear like awards and things like that, they hear best picture, it's not necessarily like what is the best movie. It is what is the best achievement in filmmaking. Yeah. And I think there is a distinction there. And I think there is so much high-level execution of cinematic technique here that it is worthy of all the praise that it gets. Uh, It is the best movie that I have seen this year. I do still have a couple of others that I wanted to, to check off, but I think it's phenomenal. I just love it. And I love the way... This film has this kind of mythic, almost dreamlike quality where time and distance are somewhat skewed because of the the one-shot format that they go for. It's a really interesting creative choice. It is because, I mean, they set that time... um, what What the actual time is very early on in the film, you know, when they're presented with this task... Um, that they have to go and deliver this message to these troops that are on the other side, um, saying that it could take six to eight hours to get there. You know, basically, if you're running, you know, and, you know, we do it in just under two hours. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's time is skewed, definitely. But it didn't it didn't feel that way. It wasn't like Game of Thrones. I don't think people are going to be slighted because it didn't take we didn't have to sit there for six to eight hours to watch the movie. I couldn't. Have right. That. Right. And they do it in that one shot format. And of course, there are kind of ways that they they kind of get it to look like it's Very all done clever. in one shot. Yeah. Very uh, clever because they did do. I mean, there are some cuts in there, some obvious, some not so obvious, but very, very clever. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the the only time the camera actually like breaks in terms of kind of a scene cutover, is uh, when he gets shot. Yeah. But everything else is kind of designed to look like it's one long take. And of course, yeah, there are breaks here and there. But what that really does, that stylistic choice, um, it keeps you in the moment and it keeps that tension kind of ongoing. It does, yeah. And it's a really great storytelling technique. It was used in Birdman quite a bit. Um, but then, you know, the other thing that's true about this movie, and one of the things I think that makes it so great is that, yes, there are cuts. They, they do have time where they cut. There are seams that, that are kind of blended together to make it look like it's a continuous shot. But some of the takes from what the actors said about this film are about like eight or nine minutes long. So there are some of these scenes that just involve incredible tracking shots and acting and performance that, you know, yeah, they're not, it's not a two hour continuous shot, but they did say there are some sequences that are as long as eight or nine minutes of an unbroken shot. And that's amazing. That is so hard to do. That's unheard of. And I mean, of course, while I'm watching a movie, I can't help but also think of the process that went into doing it. And there is there is one shot, well, a couple shots, actually, in particular, because they kind of, um, they're very similar to each other, where 
we're following these two boys through trenches and they're very narrow and there's people on either side of the trenches and you can see that they themselves are having a hard time navigating through these people and all i keep thinking of is you not it's not just those two guys we have a person with a camera Right. And probably somebody behind him that's, you know, holding, you know, whatever you might have your 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 gaffer or somebody that, you know, holding um, equipment and whatnot that are uh, your assistant and everything. And they have to have it just as perfect as the actors do, if right. not more. Um, and I know that they were they had a steady cam, so that definitely helps in the smooth smooth movement. That's hard to say, and uh, it, it. I was just amazed that there was no stumbling. Um, I mean, because even with a steady cam, you could still stumble, and there will be some, you know movement on the camera depending on what it is but like nobody had the camera there was no stumbling it just it was smooth right on through it and it was just amazing the camera work on this and And, i I hope there's some recognition for that because it, it, it blew me away it absolutely blew me away well like i said roger deakins is probably the greatest of all time to do this and when you know, when you look at some of his film credits, I mean, so much with uh, the Coen Brothers, but like Blade Runner twenty forty nine and Sicario and Skyfall, another Sam Mendes film, you know, True Grit, Revolutionary Road, Doubt. He did all these No Country for Old Men, which is such a phenomenal movie. He's just got such an incredible uh, resume of films, and it, you know, there's a reason why he's so good at this. And you mentioned you know, some of the stuff in the trenches and things like that. Anybody who has seen this film and and enjoyed it, I would recommend going onto YouTube and finding some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. Because they talk about how they were able to accomplish some of the shots, and it is astounding. So one of the ones that I love is that shot of the last hundred yards at the end of the film. That, that last hundred yards... Um, that uh that Schofield has to to go through to get to kind of deliver the message to call off the attack when he goes and up out the, of the trench yeah yeah and they talk about how that is done at first it is a camera on a crane and the crane kind of um like whoops down and then it is caught by two camera operators who take the camera off the crane and then it goes to handheld and uh and then it just kind of transitions so it's just this unbelievable shot and of course there's that shot where um as Schofield is running one of the other infantry guys runs into him yes that was not scripted that is a total accident that happened in the film but they kept it in because it actually works brilliantly yeah and it's just this uh stunning filmmaking achievement there's just this film has so much of that in it and that's why it just kind of blows my mind yeah, it's and my goodness, the actor who played Schofield, I just kept feeling for him. I'm like, man, this guy's having to run a lot in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot of running. What, yeah. I mean, just the exhaustion, the physical exhaustion <sighs> of it. But I mean, as an audience goer watching it, you felt that exhaustion. I mean, that was one of the first things I had said to a friend of mine after the movie was over. I texted him and I said, my God, that movie was exhausting. Yeah. It was like, I had so much anxiety. I think I like 
picked away. I don't know how much nail polish off my nails and my cuticles. I'm surprised I had any skin left afterwards. I was just so tense and on edge. And it was absolutely incredible. And that idea of the camera not breaking, that kind of continuous shot, really does play a part in that. That one yeah. cinematic choice, you know, that that one choice to do the film that way, it really does keep you engaged, but you're also exhausted. Like, there's no, there's no time to take a breath. You're always in it with these guys. But one of the things they did do, though, is that there were moments of stillness. And this is something that I have mentioned before, that if, if the whole movie was just nothing but you know, one encounter after another, running, running, explosion, running, this. And if it was all that high intensity the entire time, you become desensitized to it. You have right. to have those quiet moments, and those moments of stillness to kind of rest and relax, catch your breath before it ramps up again. And they did have that in this. And, you know, some of them were unfortunate moments, like when... um uh uh, shoot, his, his name just like slipped my mind. Not Schofield, but the other one. Blake. Blake, thank you. Wow, how simple Tom is and that? Baratheon. Yes, Tommen. When um, he gets shot, spoiler alert, um, which was incredibly done, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we'll talk about that, but like that, and then when he gets into the, the moment with the, he meets the French girl, and, you know, just these little quiet moments just for you to catch your breath for a little bit before you have to move on again and I thought that those were spaced out and done really really well because there's no way you can just have it be ramped up the entire time so I thought the pacing of the movie even though yes it was full of tons of anxiety I thought the pacing was done wonderfully yeah and and again it it has this kind of weird dreamlike quality where you're with these guys and you know we we hours have passed but it's seconds in the film you know we have yeah. those in and in those moments of stillness they almost also feel like time passages even though we can't quite tell mm, yeah. you know but we know that there is some time passing there is some distance that's being covered and that's why it has this like this like dreamlike quality this kind of mythic quality which is something that that Sam Mendes was actually really going for mm. when he talked about wanting to have a kind of transition from a gritty war film to something that almost felt mythical because, you know, I think it, I, I can't remember who it was in his family, if it was a grandfather or something like that, who had served and told stories about their time in service. And, you know, I think he kind of told that story through the eyes of a kid who heard it and kind of portrayed it as this kind of mythical thing and and it's almost like a superhero without a superhero film without the superhero it it, it just has this very weird kind of awesome mythic nature to it well yeah in 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 the fact that they are overcoming all of these odds and making through all of these obstacles that just seem like no person could ever do this you know right. not mythical in a I don't know, not mythical in a happy dream like, you know, floaty, wonderful feeling way, but 
um, fantastical in the fact that there's just it just seems impossible for anybody to make it through this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like it does. If you were to put this into another genre, it would still work and you would almost feel more normal in that kind of fantasy genre than you would here. And oh, I think yeah, that's... I, mean, I could totally see it like as a Lord of the Rings type thing. Right. Yeah. And it, it but it, it, it just feels so, um, I don't know. It, it just has a lot of emotional weight. And you talked about when, um, you know, Blake gets, uh, he gets stabbed. And that's where shot. you also, did, or, I said shot, didn't I? I did say shot. Yes, yeah. he gets stabbed. Um, but you, that's the kind of downside of that kind of long shot style is you have to be with him the entire time. And so yeah. there's no let up and that is relentless and it is heartbreaking. And, you know, you, you carry through that range of emotion and it's just unbelievable. Well, and also again, that's a moment that I'm thinking of them filming that. So you have mm-hmm. Schofield and Blake and you see that moment where Blake is, you know, they're having that discussion. Am I dying? And, you know, he, you know, tells him yes. And, you know, ultimately he, he does die and the camera does not leave at all. So you the thing that's incredible is that you see him, you see the color drain from his face. Yeah. You see his physicality change you know as somebody dies it it does but you're you're seeing that you're witnessing it and then from the time when Schofield does get assistance and they're carrying him and and I'm just thinking of the actor um that played Blake that is going through this normally if you're an actor and you have a death scene as soon as you die cut you're done right you know but the camera does not leave and I'm thinking like was he holding his breath the whole time I didn't I'm not seeing him breathe. Right. He's, he's not he's not breathing. Like he can't move. You can't move cuz then you ruin it. You can't blink, you can't flinch. Nothing. Dead weight. You're being carried across terrain and everything. It was just amazing cuz the camera does not cut. Yeah, it's tremendous. And then of course, yeah. you know, we're kind of surprised by those other soldiers that turn up in that scene. And that, again, is that kind of dreamlike passage of time that happens in here. We don't know how long he was, Schofield was with Blake in that scene. We don't know, yeah. like, in, in what real time that would have been. And, uh, you know, and I think that kind of switch from the presumption of who the main character is is also interesting. Yes. It's a little bit of a diversion, but at the same time, it still kind of fits in with that hero's journey. And that's one thing that I wanted to talk about here. Yeah, yeah, it it totally does. So I know you're going to go through the different steps. So I'm not going to jump on it. Some of them are kind of rushed, particularly towards the end. Like if you were trying to adhere this to kind of what the classic hero's journey is. But when you think about it, that kind of first act where we are meeting the hero in their ordinary world, which is war. You know, yeah. the call to adventure, go on this mission with me. You know, the the refusal, which isn't so much a refusal mm-hmm. as much as, why are you dragging me into this? Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't want to go. He is a reluctant participant. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and and also in that regard, um, the Blake character, the Dean Charles Chapman character, is the mentor. Yeah, he's you know, the he, driving force. Yeah. And so he which does so have that meeting because, with the mentor. Which is so funny because we talk about this... 
all the time, it should have been, it should have been obvious and plain as day right from the bat that Schofield was going to end up being the main character and not Blake. Yeah. Well, it's well disguised, <laughs> though. It is well disguised because they very give well Blake the mission. It's his family. It's, you know, that. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we get into Act 2, and that's where we go through kind of the trials. And, like, there is a literal descent into hell in this movie almost, right? Like, yeah. when that city is burning, that that is all hell imagery, and he has to make his way through hell. Well, I was even going to say when they when they go to that first bunker, that's almost like a rebirth right there because Schofield is totally buried. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and basically comes back from the brink. You know, Blake saves him. So, yeah. I mean, that's like, that's a rebirth right there. Yeah, it is like a resurrection almost. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also kind of, there's that, that whole thing of like the cave, you know, the pit, that kind of classic thing. And in this case, there are literal caves in this movie, you know, multiple times. So these are all really incredible things that are part of the hero's journey. You know, he goes through these trials. He goes into these caves. He has this kind of resurrection moment in the film as well. And then, of course, he completes his mission. He he does what he has to do. And then towards the end of the film, I think when you're talking about like the the, you know, seizing the sword kind of thing and and the road back and i think some of that that happens in act three i think for him the road back the return to his normalcy is everything after he shakes hands with blake's brother oh yeah and he goes back and because he's in a war camp and it is his normal life and he goes back and leans against a tree which is where we first see him at the very beginning of the movie is leaning against a tree yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and also the idea that early in the movie, Blake takes his hand, and then later in the movie, he takes a Blake's hand. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there is that sense of kind of going back to where you were. And then also when he takes out the photo of his family, you know, I don't know what that necessarily means for him. Does that mean that, that he is now ready to leave this behind, or is he still going to stay there? We don't really know. Yeah. But, you know, there are all those elements of the hero's journey that make this movie so special. And that's what I love so much about it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's classic storytelling, but done in such a way that it doesn't. Um, I don't Like we said, it's it's like it's with a twist. It's done in such a way that it's not obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, but then when you really break it down, you're like, oh, my God, it's all there. It's all yeah. there. And I was so into it. I didn't. I, I knew it, but I didn't know it. If you were to set this film exactly as it was, only instead of World War One, it's ancient Greece. You have Greek mythology. Yeah. You know, I mean, all of these beats in this story are kind of right out of Greek mythology. And that's why it's such an amazing choice by um by Mendes to to just do this film this way and i you know i'm sure that, that i mean there've been hundreds and hundreds of war films that have been made over the years so you know i don't i i can't think of all of them in my head but when i think about this one i think about it in a way that i've never thought of a war film before because it's it's kind of retold through the eyes of somebody who heard these stories about these heroic deeds and this kind of mythical backdrop. It's it's a really interesting take on it. 
Yeah, because anytime you you talk about the hero's journey and that whole outline for stories, you always think of something in fantasy, sci-fi. You know, you you keep saying yeah. mythical. You know, it's 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 your Harry Potter's, it's your Star Wars, it's your Lord of the Rings. You always think, you know, Game of Thrones. We've even applied it to that. Um, you always think of those kinds of sweeping epic. Uh, fantasy movies you don't think of it necessarily even it has been but you don't necessarily think of it right away as applied to a real life especially a a war movie right absolutely yeah and and look at how many comic book films are kind of reinterpretations of the hero's journey i mean yeah it, it happens all the time and i think what's really interesting is that this film comes along at a time where comic book films kind of dominate a lot of the box office, uh, a lot of the screens at local theaters, and a lot of conversations, like all those ridiculous things about, well, what does Martin Scorsese think about comic book movies? Man, I don't care. But what's really cool about this is it kind of took mythic storytelling and applied it to real-world events, and I thought that was really creative. And what a way to get through to audiences that are super into these kind of mythical hero-style stories now. Yeah. It just speaks of something that is very... um, It speaks of a filmmaker who is very in tune with the story that he wants to tell and how audiences are consuming stories right now. And it's worked. I mean, this movie has not only just gotten so many accolades from people in the industry by, you know, seeing how how many Oscars it's been nominated for, but I believe it's doing really well in the theaters, too. I have not heard a bad thing about this movie. Everybody is completely raving about it. Yeah, there are some critics, but to be honest with you, like, I just can't get down with critics anymore. Like, I think some of the, the things that, that we... Oh, I don't know. I mean, I could do a whole show on the ways that that modern criticism kind of pisses me off and the way that everybody is kind of a critic and nobody's yeah. a story receiver. They're all a story critic. I don't know. It's just I could go on and on and on. Uh, but we've, I do we've think talked that, about talking about it. Yes, we did talk about talking about it, which we should eventually get into. Uh, you need to get would, this off your chest. It'll be therapeutic for you. Too. Yeah, it'll be therapeutic for you, I think. <laughs> I, I, I know. <laughs> podcast therapy that's right but you know i think the reason why this film is getting so many accolades is because it is an unbelievable achievement in in filmmaking and technique and direction and writing and cinematography and all the different puzzles you know uh but then just to set it against the backdrop of the hero's journey is amazing like you know and the thresholds are so obvious too there's the the crossing the threshold where they literally cross into no man's land you know that I descent. know I was looking for Wonder Woman during that yeah. scene I didn't see her that descent into hell you know where the the village is on fire then he has to run and and jump in the lake too which is another kind of hero's journey element as well and then the 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 imagery of it too where you see the i think they were cherry blossoms that were falling into the water yeah as he's floating down the river there and then you can't quite tell what it is that's blocking the river if it's trees or what and you find out that it's bodies you know it's just that was horrific it, it is this kind of metaphor for like getting out of hell yeah and I, I, I just think that's just such an incredible way to tell this story. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, literally he was floating down the river sticks. So, yeah, exactly. And that's what it feels like. You know, and I think that's just an unbelievable scene. You talked about the scene that where he is meeting the woman who found the baby and she's caring for that child. You know, that's an unbelievable scene because it reconnects him to his own story in a certain way. And, you know, one of the things in particular with that scene, really any of the scenes in this movie, is that when you really get down to it, they are so simple. They are so simple. They are not, and I don't mean in the way that they're necessarily filmed. I mean, there's a lot of complicated stuff that went into doing this movie. But I mean, it's it's simple, the fact that they don't, um, they don't overcrowd it. They, they, they keep in line with what they're doing. Everything has a purpose. Everything drives the story forward. It's not overly complicated. It's not overly wordy. Everything fits. Like, there's nothing in this movie that felt out of place. Yeah. You know, and, and I think there's so many times that we see movies and it was like, man, this part really dragged on. Or, you know what? If this part didn't happen in the movie, everything else in the movie still would have happened. You know, everything in this movie happens for a reason and it drove the next thing. You know, there was something, there was something purposeful in every scene right. that drove the story forward. Right. And, and sometimes cameos can derail that too, but it didn't in this film for me. No, it didn't. And there's some massive cameos in this movie and no, none of them took me out of it whatsoever. Right. right. You know, like there, I mean, obviously you have Colin Firth in the beginning of the film, uh, you have Andrew Scott in there as well, who's awesome. Uh, Mark Strong shows up, Benedict Cumberbatch in there as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of cameos from some pretty, some some pretty heavy hitters in there, but they never take over the movie or derail the film. No, and especially after we find out that a Baratheon slash Lannister is uh, brothers with a Stark. I know, right? Which I was really really upset and. My friend, you know who you are. Spoiled it for me before the movie. Oh, that Dean Charles Chap- Chapman and and, and uh, Richard Madden are both in it. Well, that Rob Stark, yeah, was in it. I was so upset. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Damn it!" There was like there was a reason why you don't see him in any of the promos. It's saved for at the end. It's it it yeah. It was totally spoiled for me. I was so upset. Now I think. I, now this is digging deep into my Game of Thrones knowledge for for trivia. That even though we didn't see Tommen until, well, I mean, uh, Dean Charles Chapman as Tommen until later, he did in Game of Thrones, I believe, share a scene with Richard Madden because he, um, Dean Charles Chapman, was not always Tommen. He was a Lannister cousin. Correct. And he's one of the Lannister cousins who is killed. So I think there is a scene with Rob Stark seeing the Lannister cousins having been killed. I think they were on screen at the same time. Hmm. I cannot recall that. I do recall him playing a, a double characters. But um, yeah, I don't recall if Rob Stark was involved with his first role or not. Yeah, I think he just saw the body. Hmm. Well, if that's that's ironic then. Then, you know, he's seeing he's he's dead both times that he's on screen. <laughs> right. 
or even though they're not on screen together but anytime you're seeing rob stark and him in the same in the same scene or in the same movie that he's dead right <laughs> that's so funny um i i like seeing those characters those actors playing those characters they never uh kind of to me they never take you out of the movie is he is he the new sean bean because now he dies, and because he died twice in Game of Thrones, and now he's died in this movie. So I don't know. He's he still young. Bean, he's he's still die young in, in his movie? career. Hmm, that's a good start. But I do, I do think he did really great work in this film. I think both I of the leads in this movie just they really crushed it. Yeah, they did. Like, and what it they're was... asked to do, this is, and it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah, it's they were the the task with which they were given was not an easy one. I mean, some of these long takes, not only was there a lot of action that was happening, there was a lot of dialogue too. And if you mess up any one thing, if you step the wrong way, if you flub over your words like I do all the time and just did, that's it. You got to start all over again from the very beginning. Right. It's, it's not easy and it's not only just those two but it's everybody around them and not yeah. even just the actors it's the cameraman too it's all a dance it's all a choreographed dance that they are doing and yeah. it's phenomenal that they had so much done at the same time yeah that's a really great way to put it the choreography because one of the things that i was um studying about this movie is that for the set they had 5,000 feet of trench. So they had about a mile of trench. Yeah. So think about how they have actors in there. And like you were saying earlier, just the traffic with the camera. And not only the traffic with the camera, but there are moments where you not only have passing soldiers, but there's times where the camera position goes from being behind our lead characters to in front to then back behind again. Those are incredibly complicated things to pull off. Yep. And like I I said, if there's any misstep in any one of that, you have to start over from the beginning again. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's just incredible. Um, and but I think they really nailed it, and that's why I feel like this is such a, a phenomenal filmmaking achievement. Yeah, like I, I, I was so impressed with this movie that um, I think it's one of those. I, I don't know the last time I had an experience in a theater that was quite that awe-inspiring. Well, yeah, I mean, it was awe-inspiring because of the technical achievement of it, but then also awe-inspiring because of the story that was being told and the way that it was portrayed and acted and presented to us. I mean, everything was top-notch. And I know that you said that there were some people that were critics. I have not seen any of that, so I don't know what their nitpicks are. Um, But I do know as far as authenticity of what they presented in this film it was pretty spot on. I believe that there are a few things that like historians have kind of um, nitpicked on, but it's like they're so minimal. But they were just saying how how well it was done and how you could how the trenches were portrayed, where you could see that there was a trench that had been there for a while, and then they're in another trench, and you can tell that it's new, and um, just the way everything. Um, 
like the set design and everything, this, the, the set dressing and costumes of everybody and makeup and um, effects. Can we talk about that airplane crash scene? Oh, Amazingly done. Yeah. So good. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a phenomenal scene. You know, the I visual effects there are incredible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so great. There's, yeah. there's again, there's just so much. Um, they talked about how when they had that burned out city and he's kind of running through it, they built a model of it and they wanted to see how light and shadow would pass. So oh, they built a model thing. of it. Yeah. And they, they pushed, they, and they ran light across it so that way they could, uh, replicate how the pyrotechnics would work and the way they would reflect light on the characters. I mean, it's so thoughtful. And let me tell you, when he's running through that burned out city, like, is that not evocative of some epic fantasy ruin that you would see? Yeah. Yeah. All of that stuff. The attention yeah, to the, detail, phenomenal. Yeah. The the way the lighting was done for that scene was so good. It was so good and it was eerie. And anytime the light would come back, it's like, okay what are his surroundings where is he now and then you would see a shadow of somebody and it was oh man that was just another way of being able to build that tension um you know it, it was kind of like okay let's play with all the different landscapes and all the different um areas that we find ourselves how can we build that tension what's yeah. tense what is tense about this place what in and also what is then where's a moment in this place that we can take a breath right that we can have right. a breather it's just yeah and that's the other masterful bit mm. of it is the building of tension build build, yeah. build 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 release build 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 release yep yeah, it's unbelievable. And I, I, you know, the way I feel, there's a lot of great war movies that have been made. I mean, there are some that are incredible, and there a lot of them are great for different reasons. Um, but with a lot of war films, I'm kind of one and done on them because I find them to be difficult experiences. To kind of, you have to be kind of in a certain mindset to want to watch it. You know. Yeah. Um, but with this, this is a film that I really want to see multiple times because. I don't know. It's 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 realistic and it's gritty and it's tragic in a lot of ways, but it's also it's just so damn heroic too. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I don't know. There's just this this idea of like modern mythology almost modern stories being told as mythological stories. That is a storytelling um, technique that I am very excited to see more of. I am I am sad to say it's probably a movie I will not see again unless I have right. some Dramamine or something on hand. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. Maybe I should get some Dramamine and watch it again because there's there's the yeah, there were lots of moments anytime they were in motion that I had to just look down or look away or just be able to see the screen out of the corner of my eye like I was looking down at my pretzels a lot. <laughs> and so I could just see the screen. I'm like, "Oh, it's not moving. Okay, let me look." Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, because even though that was the case, I don't feel that it diminished my experience of the movie. That's how right. strong the movie was. That even though I couldn't physically look at a lot of it, I didn't feel slighted. I mean, I could still hear what was going on. Um, 
So I, I, I was, it was very easy to follow along. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't feel, I, I didn't feel that I missed out by not being able to follow along the entire time. Yeah. And you know, this is interesting too. I think about the work of Sam Mendes. And, uh, I mean, the guy is tremendous. He is a tremendous filmmaker. And, you know, I look is it back. Mendes and he, or Mendez? I think it's is Mendes. Mendes. Is it? Okay. Mendez, Mendes, I don't know. Um, (laughs) But, like, American Beauty was not my favorite film, to be honest. Mm. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot of great technique in that. Road to Perdition, which I loved. I thought that was a phenomenal film. He also did Jarhead, Revolutionary Road, Away We Go, Skyfall, Spectre, and, you know, now 1917. Uh, you know, when he is on, he is as good as any filmmaker in the world. Yeah, he he definitely has a style. He definitely has a technique. And uh, you can just you can just see it and you can see how uh, he the, just the way that he's able to show us things through that camera lens. And it, it, it leaves me at a loss for words right now, <laughs> actually. Yeah. It's just it's just so incredibly well done because you can see that he partners so well uh, with the actors, with the camera cinematographers, with everybody that's involved. Um, again, yeah. I was t- I was talking about it as if it's a dance, as a choreographed dance. And it is. And you and it's the director that is. um that is like the choreographer. It's the director that is like the conductor of that orchestra, right. bringing everything together. And you know there are there are a lot of directors that don't like actors, and you can see in the way that they film things. There are directors where you can tell that they they focus so much on the characters, and there's other things that kind of fall by the wayside. But with this, you can tell that there was just such synchronicity amongst everything i mean a a movie in itself is a collaboration you know regardless of how the different departments and such get along but you can really tell when it just fits and this just fit that's not to say that i'm sure there were not hardships and difficulties in making this film and everything was sunshine and rainbows i can't imagine that it was but uh everything was just a beautiful collaboration yeah, and I think that's the key word is it's a collaboration, right? It's and also the great filmmakers know how to use all the tools in the toolbox to be able to tell their story. Um, you know, light, sound, picture, all of it, how it all kind of comes together and how everybody has to be on the same page. It's not just the written word, it's not just the performance, but it's the position of the camera and it's the lighting and I think that's what I love about this film is it it really hits on all of those levels well i think all of those areas had their moment to shine Mm -hmm. you know um you know we talked about the the lighting in that burned out city um the camera work through the trenches um you know the, the the effects with the the plane crash every single one of those departments had their ability to shine 
Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of times some of those scenes fall by the wayside or you don't notice it. And, you know, it's just kind of there. And and a lot of times, you know, if you're costuming or you makeup, you, you don't necessarily want that to be the standout thing. You want everything to kind of blend. And, and in some respects, everything fits seamlessly, but everything had its moment to shine. I agree. I I wholeheartedly agree. I think this is a film that definitely is worthy of all of the accolades. And I know a lot of our audience tends to really dig a lot of kind of fantasy stuff, and they may not be into some of the more like indie films or, you know, things that are a little more um, heavy drama or things like that. But I would say that if if you are somebody who is uh, interested in kind of epic storytelling and this kind of mythology and fantasy, this is a film that that works on all those levels and hits all of those beats. It, you know, it's the, it is the hero's journey recontextualized as part of a kind of World War One war film. I think that needs to be the tagline for the title of this episode. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> hero's Anything journey else? meets World War One. <laughs> Anything else on... Uh, 1917. No, even just talking about it, I I, I need to go have a Dramamine. <laughs> it's bringing it's well, bringing up phantom nausea. Phantom nausea. That's actually <laughs> the the alternate title to episode one of Star Wars. <laughs> and and it's so true. <laughs> All right, so you guys have heard our thoughts on 1917, but we'd like to hear yours as well. So hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at Nerdflix chill you can also check us out on itunes and stitcher if you're listening throw us a five-star review on those platforms we'd greatly appreciate it you can always check out our new stuff at lrmonline.com and while you're there check out the network of podcasts a lot of cool stuff there for you to listen to so uh, definitely uh, spend some time there wanted to thank you guys for joining us we'll be back with another episode very soon Until next time, may the Force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors.